Would you open your Bibles to the book of Haggai? If you're scared, don't know where that is, just go to Matthew and turn left. Zechariah, Malachi, Haggai. So it's not as hard as it sounds. In chapter 1, in verse 2, Haggai is speaking to the people of Israel who have been called back to rebuild the temple. They'd been in captivity for 70 years. Millions of them hauled off to Babylon, and the Lord miraculously provided a way back for them to go and to rebuild the city, rebuild the wall, rebuild the temple. And they had come to a point where they had paused on the building. And he's saying to them in verse 2, Thus says the Lord of hosts, These people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. And then the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet. Verse 4, is it a time for yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while this house lies in ruins? Therefore, says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You've sown much, you've harvested little. You eat, you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourselves but no one is warm, and he who earns wages does so to put them into a bag with holes. In verse 7, and thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways, go up to the hills and bring wood and build the house that I may take pleasure in it and that I may be glorified, says the Lord. Father, we ask for you to bring Insight, your word is a lamp to our feet. It's a light to our path. And I pray that today that would be uh, quite literal for us. And it's in your name that we pray. Uh, amen. You know, I, I joke with, um, you know, Jeremy and some of you guys. I mean, Craig and Bethany, you were there. And, uh, like, I remember when I looked at people into their 40s, I'd kind of joke, but it was with a sense of pity. Uh, like, wow, I'm so old. <laughs> Or that they must have it figured out together, or they must have, you know. And now here I am at 45, and thinking, wow, I, wow. And unless you don't feel that, of the pang of it, I'm going to help you with that uh, this morning. Because if you might remember The Wonder Years, anybody watch that show? I totally loved that show. It kind of ruined it for me when the, the voice of it was the guy in Home Alone, one of the criminals. But I got over it. Uh, but it, so think with me, okay? When that was on the air, I totally loved it. It was on from 1988 to 93, and it covered the years of 1968 to 1973. I was born in 71, so in those years. Now, if it was covered today, if it was made today, it would cover the years from 1996 to 2001. And instead of episodes about the moon landing and the Beatles, and the civil rights movement, those impacting things that would have instead been talking about Bush-Gore election, Britney Spears, and the September 11th attacks, those things that seemed like not that long ago. But I remember watching the Wonder Years in the 90s going, man, that was so long ago. Wow. It gets worse. The characters of the Wonder Years made today would be watching Friends. Remember that when that first came up? That seems like yesterday, 1994, thank you. South Park, which is still on, so, you know, Family Guy, the first season of 24. That was 2001 when the first season of 24. That seems like yesterday, but that was 15 years ago. And 
Family Guy started airing in January of 99, which was closer. Did anybody watch MASH when you were a kid? It was closer to MASH being on the air 1972 to 83 than it is today. Like that flips time for me. The moon landing, the following movies were in theaters closer to the moon landing than today. Now you guys that are in your 20s, you can laugh, but I'm going to get you in a minute. Batman Returns, which I totally stood in line for. Hastings, Nebraska movie theater. A League of Their Own, Wayne's World. Wayne's World, that was so long ago. Excellent. These movies were in theaters closer to JFK's presidency than today. JFK, Batman, Back to the Future 2, the second one, was closer. Little Mermaid, Indiana Jones. It was back before Han Solo... Anyway, he'd already been Han Solo, right? And then he became Han Solo again. When Harry Met Sally, these movies came out closer. This is what I said, it gets worse. Closer to World War II than today. So World War II in HD on the History Channel. The Empire Strikes Back was closer to that than it is today. Yeah, we need a, we're going to need some prayer time in a moment. <laughs> All right, we'll just sew it up with this. If you were born... Before 1973, you were born closer to the 1920s than to today. <laughs> and it's not like I don't know this, because every time I've said that you sign up for something on the iTunes, you got to scroll for your birthday. And I got to do like two scrolls, like two rolls of it, you know? Today's 38-year-olds were born closer to the 30s than today. 28-year-olds and 23-year-olds, before you laugh, you were born closer to the 50s and 60s, respectively, than you were today. My point being (laughs) is that time is this mystery thing that it just, it seems like it speeds up as you get older, doesn't it? I was talking to Ron Schweitzer in first service, and he was saying, I, I think, I don't know how old Ron would be, but it's a little older than me. And saying that, you know, man, you look back and it just gets faster and it gets faster and it gets faster. And the reason I was bringing this up specifically was that the year 2000 seems like so yesterday, right? It just seems like, wow, we just turned, it just seems like we all had like food in our basement and solar showers waiting for Y2K. But that was 16 years ago. And that's important as I was chewing on this because I wanted to set in the tone of that Haggai is talking to a people in Israel who had come back to the land. They had been in captivity for 70 years and the Lord miraculously brought them back to rebuild the city, to rebuild the temple. And Haggai is writing to them 16 years after they had started the construction of the temple. 18 years after they had returned to Israel. So sometime around 538 BC, they were brought back miraculously, just as the prophecy had foretold. And then two years later, they had started the construction of the temple. So 16 years now, it's 520 BC when this is written. 16 years later, the construction had stalled. And you know when it had stalled? 14 years before that. Two years in, it got real hard. Two years in, there was pressure. There was financial pressure. There were enemies that were taxing them, and they were talked about with a trowel in one hand and a sword in the other. And now here it is, 
16 years after the start of the construction, and the people were saying, not that they didn't want to rebuild the temple. I don't think that was the sin. The sin wasn't that it shouldn't be rebuilt. The sin was that not yet should it be built. They didn't say no. They just said not yet. And I wonder, as I read this, it certainly certainly hit me real hard between the eyes how fast 16 years can just go by. Maddie's going back to college today. 16 years ago, she was just a little peanut, you know? It just goes so fast. And I wonder if that's what the people of Israel might have been feeling. When Haggai said, you say it's not time, were they thinking, gosh, has it been that long? Oh, man, really? That dream that you gave, has it been that long and I haven't, we haven't done anything about it? Did time go by so fast for them? When they first came back, you can read about it in Ezra. They were shouting and celebrating like a charismatic church camp. We're home. We're the church high, church camp high. Do you ever experience that? I'm going to go follow Jesus forever, wherever you want me to go. Maybe, you, I don't know, maybe you didn't. I did. And that's what it kind of describes in Ezra 6 is there was so much joy and shouting and excitement. And that was 16 years ago. And that dream that God had put in their heart wasn't that we're not going to do it. It's just not now. And they had this illusion that we all have. And that is that time is somehow infinite. That I'm going to have all the time in the world to take care of what God has called me to do. I just need to figure out and take care of my own wood panel and my own home and my own thing. And if you were here last week, you might remember this. It's important if you don't uh, warrant or to remind you that when I'm speaking of the temple, there, this is Old Testament picture and a New Testament principle. The temple of the Holy Spirit then was a wooden structure. It was stone and gold and very dis- specific. But today, the temple of the Holy Spirit, 1 Corinthians 3, Ephesians 4, Second uh, Peter 2 tells us that you and I are the temple of the Holy Spirit. This is just a roof that keeps us, the temple, from getting rained on. And so if I take this Old Testament picture and bring it into the New Testament principle of us being the temple of the Holy Spirit, maybe the word of the Lord for you and for I this morning is, you're saying it's not time to do what God has put in my heart and maybe the word for you is your temple, your, what you've been given. Maybe it's, maybe it's time. Maybe this is the year where we take time to proactively do what God has called us to do. You see, time is not an infinite resource. And if you go to Luke chapter 19 with me, I believe that Jesus makes this point succinctly for us. The time... is a gift that God has, has given us. I don't know if you know this, but physicists actually teach, they believe that there is no such thing as even the present. There's just history and there's just future. Because right now it just became history. 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 And another way to word it is you go into, you go to, the, go to the lake or go to the beach and there's the shoreline where there's water and then there's the shoreline and then there's the, the, the sand or the dirt but the reality is, is there is no shoreline. There's just dirt and there's just water. There is no line. And in time, there is no now. There's only future and there's only past. 
it's a gift. Physicists also teach that they believe, philosophize, theorize, that time didn't even exist until we were created. God exists outside of time. Time was given as a gift to us. Einstein's theory of relativity teaches us that time is relative. When you set your watch and synchronize with someone else and you're going one speed and going another speed on a train that your watches won't match up after because time in and of itself is relative, I wonder if what really would be a more accurate phrase is that time is personal. That I've been given time. You've been given time. And when we talk of time, we speak of it in terms of spending it, wasting it. If you've been in jail, you're doing time. Time flies, time slows down. We, we have all these phrases that in, but one I don't hear much of is what Jesus, I think, is teaching in Luke chapter 19, which is investing time. That I'm in, I have this thing, this finite thing called time, just like I have finite resources and money, I have finite talents, I have finite uh, influence, I have finite amount of time. And in Luke chapter 19, he tells this story right after he uh, speaks to Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus gives his life to Christ and he's going to give half of everything he took and give it to the poor. And, and I hear something like that and I think, man, I'd love to be able to do that. I'd love to have that kind of money, to be able to give that much money away. I'd love, I begin to compare myself immediately. And maybe you don't, but I do. Because some of you could afford to give half and still have enough left over to be fine. Most of us, you give away half and, and we're going to need someone to give their money to us because we now po, right? So that's not an equality when it comes to resources. And it's interesting because Matthew 25, the parable of the talents, is different than this parable. We don't have time to go there this morning, but the parable of the talents, you might remember, Everybody got a little different one. Some got five and ten. and 12. But they, they all got a different, and I think it speaks of the different gifts and different talents that we have. Talent is a measure of money, but it speaks of the, the variations of the gift. But in this parable, which is a different parable, using another form, another denomination of their money, is equality. There are everybody got ten. So while we speak in Matthew 25 of the, variance, the, the variations of ministries, this, I believe, speaks to the equality of opportunity. Everybody got 10. How many hours did you get today when you woke up? From now till tomorrow, 24. I get 24 and you get 24. Now, you may get more 24s over time, but today, Jesus never said that you were promised tomorrow. Luke, or, uh, James 4 says that our life is a vapor, that it passes away. How do you make these plans into the future? You don't even know if you have tomorrow. Everybody gets today. Everybody. You got today and I got today. And with that in mind, an equality of 24 hours, he says that they heard all these things and he proceeded to tell a parable because he was near to Jerusalem, verse 11, and the, uh, because they, they supposed, they thought that the kingdom of God was to appear immediately. And he said, therefore, saying to them that he, he knows, they think that Jesus is going to come set up shop, open up a can of whoop God and set it up. And he's saying that I'm going to tell this story to you because it's going to connect the dots for you. And for those of you that are struggling, I want to be like Zacchaeus. I just say, I, I, 
Everybody may not have the same Matthew 25 gifts, talents, and resources, but everybody gets this, the 24. You're all on a level playing field. And when the master goes away, he tells the story of what's about to happen. A nobleman went into a far country, in verse 12, to receive for himself a kingdom and then return. And calling 10 of his servants, he gave them 10, 10 minus, everybody gets the same, and said to them, engage in business until I come. Some of you have a King James that says occupy, but this is a business idea. Investing. Invest this until I come. Engage in business until I come. You got 24 hours today. Invest it until I come. But his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him saying, we do not want this man to reign over us. He's telling him what's going to happen. When he returned just like he said he would, having received the kingdom, he ordered these servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him that he might know what they had gained by doing business. And the first came to him saying, Lord, your mina has made 10 minus more. And he said to him, well done, good servant, because you've been faithful in very little. You shall have authority over 10 cities. You know that when we get to heaven, we're not just going to sit on clouds playing harps, right? You understand that? We're not going to sit around a throne singing for a cabillion years. Like, there's this idea of like a new heaven and a new earth. And those of us on this side of heaven that have invested our time, our talent, our resources, our influence, those who have been good stewards over what has been given us, we're all who have been saved by grace. We'll stand before our Father and have him say, well done. We'll all stand before him, saved by grace, and say it was by my grace that you're saved, not by works. Come in, enter in. But not all of us will receive the same levels of reward on the other side of eternity. God is not a socialist. He's rewarding. Now, in fairness, I feel like heaven's kind of awesome. You, you know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like that ain't going to suck, being in heaven. Like, we're going to be like, woo, yeah. But there's some promise on this that, that's real to me that says that there's something on the other side that if I invest wisely here for a long-term return, that I'm not going to regret it. If you want to do an interesting study, there's five crowns spoken of in the New Testament. Five crowns, five different rewards. Those who long for his appearing and love his appearing in 2 Timothy, the soul winner's crown. Just go and search that out. It'll give you something to do this week when you're in your study time. It's awesome. But those are earned, not given. Grace is given. Salvation is given. Eternity, a given. But he's going to reward you and I as we invest our time well. And I love because some of the picture in the New Testament, the Old Testament, the picture of God is that he who just gives a cup of water to a prophet who is thirsty, you share in his reward. Pictures in the old covenant of David's men and they, they stayed behind and they took care of the supplies. When you send somebody to the front lines of the gospel, you get the same reward that they get on the other side. That's so awesome. It's so loving of our God. But that time that we get on this side of heaven, this finite resource that we have, is the time that we get to earn for eternity what we do right now. 
And I thought about that a lot this week for me. Married 21 years. I don't even know how that's possible. 21 years that the Lord brought us together. And I think back at even just 16 years ago and how fast that went. And I think to the 16 years in front of me and how fast that's going to go. And I wonder if for all of us, maybe I could, I probably a showing of hands, every one of us in this room could remember a point in our lives where the Lord has put something on our hearts, asked us to do something. And we have, not because he wasn't ready or whatever, but we just said, not yet. We didn't say no. It was worse. We said, not yet. And maybe it's because you've been living in your paneled houses. The picture that I get of that, the boxing in from Haggai, what are we boxed in by? Our fear, our fear of rejection, our fear of failure, our, the oppression, the bondage. That we're bo- Maybe you're bound in your panel is financially. I've been strapped. And maybe this is the year that you can say, today is the day. Now is the time to knock down those paneled walls, to knock down the fear, to knock down the bondage, to knock down the oppression, and to step forward into what God has called you to be and to do. Has it been 16 years for you? Has it been 20? Has it been 50? Has it been two? Maybe the Lord's word for you today is, now is the time. And the thing is, is that maybe it's overwhelming and I, can't, I just can't possibly get my mind wrapped around that. How could I possibly get there? I would say it's quite simple. A little at a time. Just an hour a day can change your life. You guys heard of the author John Grisham? He was a lawyer in Memphis. Hated his job. Knew what he wanted to do. You know all he did? I've heard an interview. He just, an hour a day, he decided, I'm going to come an hour to work an hour earlier, and today I'm going to write one page, and the next day I'm going to write one page. The next day I'm going to write one page and an hour at a time, an hour a day. He did, and he's a believer, he's a Christian, did what he felt God called him to do and just 60 minutes changed his life. We don't have to eat the whole elephant at once, just a bite at a time. It's kind kind of a gross metaphor, isn't it? An hour at a time. And I believe that that's so true because what did Jesus ask of his disciples in the garden in Matthew 26? It was the night before he was going to be crucified. It was the night before he was going to follow the will that God, his plan and his purposes for this earth. And they kept falling asleep. And they would sleep and Jesus came to them in Matthew 26, verse 40 and said, could you not watch with me for one hour? And notice he didn't say, could you not pray with me for one hour? He said, could you not watch with me for one hour? For just one hour. Couldn't you do, and that word watch, every time it's used in the New Testament, is about being alert, being focused, being aware of what God is, I'm being, watch therefore, you don't know the hour. Be on watch over, he's saying, could you not do that for one hour? And the answer is, is of course they could, but they just didn't. And as I think about us, when I think about me, when I think about you, could we not 
tomorrow for one hour, focus in and lean, whatever God has called you to do, focus on doing something that moves that ball further down the road for one hour tomorrow. And then you know what you do Tuesday? God gives you a Tuesday, do it again. Do some more of that. And you string enough hours together, the long arc of obedience that Eugene Peterson talks about, your life becomes different. And I believe with all my heart that I'm going to get this finite amount of time. I don't know how many I get. I don't know if I get next week. I hope I do. But I'm not held accountable for next week. I'm not held accountable for what time I didn't get. I'm not rewarded for what time I didn't get. I'm only rewarded for the time that I have. And so today, what's the hour that you want? What's your power hour that you'll spend could you not watch for one hour? And he does talk about prayer. Can you not watch? And then he says, watch and pray. Prayer is absolutely critical. It's a part of our lives. It ought to be. But could you not today focus on that? There were two sisters that were interviewed. They were in their, well into their 80s. And by that point, they had outlived most of their friends, their family, their husbands, their, some of their children even. And these two sisters were living together in a retirement center, you know, like full of shuffleboard and bunco and just all these great things you get to do. You know. And this lady was interviewing them as a researcher who was studying on how you get happier as you get older. And what the researcher asked her was, the, both these sisters, I noticed you're spending all this time together. Why don't you go out and make some new friends? It seems like there's all these opportunities to meet all these new people. And they said, well, we don't have time for that. And the researcher's thinking, well, it seems like you've got nothing but time. You got all the time, you know, you did nothing. Not realizing that they weren't talking about just today. They were talking about what was left of their life. And what they said was that there's a point in your life where it's too late to make an old friend. the kind of friends, the kind of relationships that last a lifetime, at some point in your life, it's just too late for that. And I would say for us as a church family, what I would love more than anything is that we are making old friends now for those of us that have that kind of time in front of us. That there is a point in your life where it's too late to invest in your children. You've sowed the seeds and God is so good about redeeming, but you have time in front of you right now. I should have been studying for my sermon last night, but I just, reading this and realizing, what kind of a jerk am I? My daughter leaves for college tomorrow. Let's go to a movie tonight. I'm you're you're going to be gone tomorrow. So you know what I did with my hour that I'm investing for eternity? I went and watched a movie with my daughter. And what I'm hoping that I'll be better at, that we'll all do well at, is that we no longer wake up in the morning flipping a coin over whether I'm going to follow God's will today or not. I got my wife a, it's called the Passion Planner for Christmas. It's a, she, <laughs> she loves writing stuff down. And I mean not like writing stuff down, but like writing stuff down. She has her planner every year, and she will, she'll actually look at this to find the date and then write down on her planner... But I got it to her for Christmas because I got me one too and my hope is that 
I'm not going to wake up in the morning and flipping a coin and trying to seek God first without a calendar that says God first. And maybe the gift that I can give my wife, and maybe this works in your life and maybe it doesn't, but for us it's the gift of being on the same page. What are you doing this week? What am I doing? We have a finite amount of time. How will we invest it for eternity? Some of you have fewer years ahead of you than you have behind you. How will you give those days, those hours to him? Knowing that there is no such thing as the present, only the future and the past, maybe the best thing we could do is to write out and to plan and to take time by the horns instead of letting time rule us. Ezekiel 38 says that the sin of Sodom, the prosperous city, there were a few sins, but one of them was prosperous ease. Too much time on their hands. It's clear to me that us wasting time, I want to say this right because I don't want it to sound harsh, but it's say what it is, is an insult to what Jesus did on the cross. It is a disrespect to the sacrifice that he made for us that I have this time now on this side of heaven that he bought and that he paid for and that he gave me as a gift. Why would I want to waste it? And today I would say that the words of Haggai ring in my ears and I hope they ring in yours. When he said to them, what should they do? Go up to the mountain. Does this evoke any images in your mind? Go up to the mountain and take the wood and build your house with that wood. The sacrifice that Jesus made for us on the Mount Golgotha, strapped to wood, nailed to wood, take that wood and let's on that wood build the house of his plans and his hopes and his dreams to become passionate about Jesus and his purposes in this earth. Because the house he wants to build in you, he wants to knock down that old crappy house, the panels that have bogged you down. The house he wants to build is so much more beautiful, so much more grand. And he saved you by grace and he's inviting you now to participate in the construction, in the, the demolition, in the fixing up of the transforming through the power of the spirit. It starts, we talked last week about figuring out and putting our treasure, putting our, that in, in, in line with what he has, his promises and his instructions. And I'm telling you today that I think time is every bit as important. What do they say? Time is money. Let's invest that. Let's not waste it. Let's not squander it. Let's invest it for a future, for an eternity, a million years into eternity, living out the, the, the returns. They talk about this in the stock market. People, that are investors, get in trouble when they get out when there's a bad sign. They get out too early, right? It's the long-term investment that we're talking about. And I mean, you talk about a long-term investment, how about eternity? How about that for a payoff based upon your 10 minus, my 10 minus. We may have a variety of ministries, but we have an equality of opportunity. You got 24 hours. I got 24 hours. What are you going to do with it? Would you stand and let's pray? Father, thank you for this gift of time. Thank you for this opportunity to invest it that what the physicists can't know, what the scientists can't understand is that you created time. And you've given it to us now as something that we can invest, not waste, not squander, 
not just do time, but invest it for the future. Lord, for each of us, that'll look different. It might be a movie for me and my daughter. It might be going on a mission trip with someone else's. It might just be calling someone. Use that time, Lord. Give us the, the wisdom of what it means for each of us individually. It's in your name. It's in the nature of who you are, the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen.